Good morning. All right. Well, it's a pleasure for me to be here again to share with you the Word of God. Today I want to start with something different. I would like to start with some quotes. And what I would like you to do is think for yourself. Read it first and think for yourself, do I agree with this or don't I agree and why? You don't have to say it out loud, just think it. But this is the first one. A true leader doesn't create separation. A true leader brings people together. Next one. God helps those who help themselves. Love the sinner, hate the sin. You are the artist of your own life. Don't hand the paintbrush to someone else. Think about it. Yeah. The heart of wisdom is tolerance. Keep this in mind. You come back to the first one. As we go through the text. Dear God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this morning. I would like to ask you for guidance and wisdom and blessing um, for this message that we're going to study your, your word and that we will understand and get the most out of it. I want to thank you for everything in the name of Jesus. So today's text is Matthew 7 from 15 till 29. This is the last major section of the Sermon on the Mount which starts at chapter 5, there is quite clearly an underlying theme in the entire chapter, that of judgment, which is the theme that constantly recurs as Jesus proceeds his teaching. And he explains this theme in different ways. Of course, we have to see this text as a whole. Before attempting to interpret any particular section or any particular sentence of the text, we have to see it as a whole. In order to do that, let's summarize first real quick the sermon. First, we get a description of the Christian man, his character. Then we are shown the effect upon him, all that happens in the world which he lives in and his reaction to that. Then he is reminded of his function in the world as the salt of the earth and as the light for everyone to see. So Jesus described this man, this Christian man, as he is. Jesus goes on to give him particular instruction then regarding his life in this world. He starts with his relationship to the law. Especially this was necessary because of the false teachings of the Pharisees and scribes. The Christian man is taught how he is to believe in general, how the law applies to him, and what is expected of him. And in chapter 6, Jesus looks at this Christian man who is taught how he is to behave 
And he has been described already living his life in this world, living in it, especially in fellowship to God, his father. So basically, he has to remember, in this case, everything he does is in relation to God. So everything under the eye of his father, if you may say, like that. So there is no value or merit as well in, in pleasing ourselves or impress others in this case. And then there is this section where Jesus points out the danger of the impact the life of this world has upon us. The danger of worldliness. The danger of living for the things of this life in this world. Then it comes to this final section where he handles the subject concerning our relationship with other people. But the most important thing to realize is that our relationship to God is the fundamental matter. So if we go to chapter 7, if we open our Bibles and we go right now to Matthew chapter 7. And we can start from the verse 1. Do not judge, so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the lock is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the lock out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, and turn, turn and tear you to pieces. And it continues, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or what person is there among you who when his sons ask for a loaf of bread will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish he will not give him a snake, will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people with the same, the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction." And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow, and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there is, are a few who find it. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree 
that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like wise men who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like foolish men who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and slammed against the house and it fell and its collapse was great. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, if we go back, starting from verse 1, Jesus opens this consideration of this great question of our walking in this world under a sense of judgment in terms of the particular matter of judging one another. Judge not. Jesus uses the same method that he used right through the whole sermon. He makes first an announcement. Then he gives reasons for it. He lays down a principle and then reasons with us concerning it. Or puts it to us in a more logical manner and detail. He restores with a deliberate pronouncement, judge not or do not judge. This statement is often led to great confusion. It is a subject that can be very easily misunderstood. It can be misunderstood on two sides, two extremes. The question is, what does Jesus mean when he says, judge not or don't judge? Well, to answer this, we can't just look at the definition of the word judge because it has different meanings, right? Judge, you can judge something or there's a judge in the court of law that exercises judgment. It is important to know exactly, but it is important to know what it means, right? Especially a correct interpretation in present time is important. We're living in an age when definitions are at a discount. An age which dislikes thought and hates theology and doctrine. Time which is characterized by love and ease and compromise. At a time like this, it is important to interpret, interpret this statement correctly because there are men who say that judge not must be taken simply and literally as meaning the truly Christian man should never express an opinion about others. They say that there must be no judging whatsoever, that we must be easy, indulgent, and to tolerant, and I allow almost anything for peace, quiet, and unity to avoid discrimination. Well, the question is, 
is this a possible interpretation of this text? Well, we'll see. I don't think so. It can't be possible. The scripture is teaching, teaching itself. Well, we'll see. At verse 6, right? Chapter 7, verse 6, we see, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. How can you put into practice this, into practice, if you do not exercise judgment? Like, how do you recognize what kind of person can be described, as this text says, as a dog or <laughs> pigs? I mean, you got to judge in some way. I mean, in other words, this injunction that immediately follows the statement about judging at once calls upon me to exercise judgment and discrimination. If you look at verse 15, beware of false prophet who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolf. Now, how is this to be taken? I cannot beware of false prophet if I'm not to think, if I'm so afraid of judging that I never make any assessment at all of their teaching. Now, if we look at this text particularly, 15, where it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are reverent well. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Some false prophets will arise. False prophets have been a problem since the days of Israel. We see the problems caused by listening to false prophets in the book of Jeremiah. They lead God's people to destruction by telling them what they want to hear. Jesus gives us a graphic image of a ravenous wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, a wolf. A wolf is uh, an animal that attacks. It's, it's like ravenous. Rah, you know, you guys seen movies about wolves? Probably teen wolves. Anyone here? Yeah. You see the, the graphic image. Try to picture that. That's a wolf. You know, aggressive attack. Eats everything. Well, not everything, but you know. And imagine that animal, but in a sheep's clothing. Looks like a sheep, but you see the teeth coming out, you know, something like that. So try to imagine that. Jesus is making this comparison. They come in seeming like they're followers, but they steal people away through deception. These people come in sheep's clothing. They're very ingratiating, meaning seeking grace. They're nice. They use Christian terminology. Amen. God bless you. They appear to be very harmless and honest and are invariably very nice. But we are not to be taken in by that kind of thing. Jesus wants us to beware. Then, in this same text, he describes, Jesus describes how we can detect false prophets. Using another illustration. He says... You will recognize them by their fruits. Are graves gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Well, it's not hard to recognize those who are trying to steal us away from the truth if we know what the truth is. 
I mean, I'm not going to say we got to pay attention to every little detail of the false prophet because we're not going to end by today. But what is important is to focus on the truth. And if we continue to see here, we see, we've seen grapes, right? Never, I've never seen a grape coming out of a torn bush. Yeah. Until now. But probably there's a berry, a poisonous berry that we do have. But don't confuse the grape with the berry. Well, I think, yeah, our defense against false teacher is you can look at a person delivering the message. I mean, everyone is different. We can't tell a false teacher by the color of their skin or their dialect. But we can tell a false teacher by their character and their attitude. I mean, people who are liars, cheaters, selfish, boastful, immoral, who place heavy burdens on others that they do not live, produce, fight, strive, If I'm not to have any standard or exercise any type of discrimination or judging, how can I test the fruit between true and false? Regarding the popular interpretation we talked about earlier, about the statement, don't judge, the interpretation that means being free and easy and having a flabby and indulgent attitude towards anybody who vaguely uses the designation Christian is quite impossible. Of course, what I said, we can't pay attention to the little detail aspect of the fall teacher, but that won't be necessary because if we focus on Jesus, we will recognize everything that is not from him. It's just like I remember back in the day, our youth leader, Brandon Neal, he mentioned something about the dollar. Probably a lot of people know about this. People who works with money. How do someone, does someone recognize a fake bill? Not by studying all the fake bills, but by studying the one that is true, the original one. You know that inch by inch, and when you see a, a bill that is not real, you're like, hey, this is not real because it's not like the original. The same idea. All right. So if we continue here, we go to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. <laughs> if the first warning wasn't scary enough, yeah, now Jesus gets into a more personal warning that gives us a proper amount of fear. At least... I feel this. Some may think that calling out to Jesus and naming him as our Lord is enough. 
But Jesus says it is not. Many people will emotionally cry out to Jesus as their Lord, but they will fail to recognize that they haven't done the will of God. Words alone are empty. It is not enough to confess a belief in the God of the Bible. It is not enough to call Jesus the Lord of our lives. Words do nothing for us. How many people do we know that make empty promises? How many of us have said we would do things that become harder to do than we expected? Well, talking about this, I want to go to Romans 10.9. If we can turn there real quick. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I think I'll read still 10 too. Where it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now, if I read this, I see two things. I don't see only confessing and I don't see only believing. I see both. You see, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, the confession alone does nothing. You got to believe it. I mean, you're confessing. Actually, the confessing is a result of what you believe. Because because you believed, you confess. Salvation requires not only saying something, but believing in Jesus. Notice that many people don't stop with a confession. In verse 22, you can see this. This is a problematic text for all of us who are faithful churchgoers. He says that many people are doing things for the Lord, will not get into the kingdom. They are teaching others about God, helping others will live a healthy life and involve in all kinds of ministries for the Lord, imagine these hard-working churchgoers who expect Jesus to let them in for all they have sacrificed. Now, what's wrong with this sentence? To expect God to let them in for all that they have sacrificed. <laughs> Jesus won't let them in. And that's simply why is based in Ephesians 2.8, what we read last week. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 till 9, you will see, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's clear. I mean, God's word is plain and simple and clear. I mean, sometimes it gets complex, though. I got I to gotta say that. <laughs> but, yeah, we try to understand it more and more, and the more we study it, the better we understand well, I'm not saying don't do anything, don't work. But let the work be a result of your faith in Jesus. Let it be the result and not the other way around. If we go to verse 24, we will see this comparison that Jesus, Jesus loves this, you know. In this whole sermon, you see he makes a lot of comparisons and illustrations for us to understand better 
Verse 24, he goes on. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great. Well, if you go, come here, many people will speak like Christians and don't do works like Christians, but Jesus says that he does not know them in the verse before. Now, why does he say this right here? Because it's right next to this part where we see that Jesus said he never knew the one who practiced lawlessness. He says, therefore, right there, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. In order to solidify for us, we can know Jesus and how he will know us. How he will know us. Jesus gives us another illustration, this one. Hearing and doing the things Jesus has shown us in this sermon will make us like someone building a house on a foundation. And what are these words? Well, in this case, if we see into the context, Jesus was given a sermon. So he's saying, if you hear these words, the words he just talked about in chapter 5 and 6. Of course, we don't have the time to go through the whole thing today, but I hope one day to be able to study the whole thing together. But he's referring to that, to his words, where he described the Christian man, how he lives, and especially in relation to his father, and how he ought to behave in the world. Because remember, he explains this also that as Christians, we are in this world, but we are not off of this world. We, we live in this world, but we belong to the kingdom of heaven. So here it goes to those who hear his words in chapter 5 till 7 and do what he said will come to know God and God will know them. To know in this context is not to know about someone. This is similar to a husband and wife coming to know one another in the Old Testament. An intimate personal relationship with God has to develop as we hear and do God's will as described in the text. This whole sermon has shown us what that relationship looked like. We are humble and he exalts us with blessing. We pursue righteous hearts and he helps us grow in righteousness. Not in our own righteousness, but in his righteousness. We pursue his glory and he gives us eternal rewards plus everything we need in this life. We love others. Like Yanto just said, we love each other. And he continues to love us. But now, he loves us because we love him? Yeah? But why do we love him? Because he loved us first. It's, it's a whole cycle. Yeah. 
He is our good, good father, and we are his precious children. Now, if you see in your bulletin, I've, I've written down some notes, and by now, we've been through the text that you can fill them in. So in the notes, you see at first, there's a good tree, which is recognizable by the fruits they produce. A bad tree is recognizable by the fruits they produce. Now, when I read this, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a nice illustration. But if I have to think about it practically, what is the good tree? What is the good tree Jesus is talking about? Well, I think he's, he's making a link to himself. In this case, that he is the vine, right? That we find that in the text of John. If you go to John 15, I think. John 15. Yeah. Where it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. This is the good tree. Jesus is the good tree that we have to remain in. If we stay in Jesus, we produce good fruit. Just, just not like not the other way around. Yeah, the faith in Jesus that produces the good works, everything else that comes out of it. Now, there's another question right there, but this this is for discussion. Was or is Jesus a true leader? I'm gonna leave that as a cliffhanger. If we go back to the quotes that we started with, Mark. The first one. A true leader doesn't create a separation. A true leader brings people together. If we as Christians agree with this 100%, we got to think this twice. It is dangerous. Because we say Jesus is our Lord, right? Jesus is our leader. Well, now, what did he come to do? What did Jesus said himself? Did he come to bring people together? <laughs> or separation? Well, uh, we, looked, we can find that in the Bible. Luke 12, 51, where Jesus says, Do you think that I came to provide peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. This is mind-blowing. If I agree with this, then I contradict Jesus. If I agree with Jesus, I can't agree with this. And of course, this text is vague. But easily, if we don't think, if we don't judge the text, we can easily say, wow, that's a great quote. I agree completely. Well, is it true? No. Again, if I make some changes to this text, we might make it true. For example, a true leader doesn't create separation in its own team. 
a true leader brings his team together in order to function as one. But I added too many texts already to make this true, which makes this one not true. It's true-ish, right? If we go to the next one, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, well, does he? This sounds inspirational, but it's not biblical. If anything, the Bible says exactly the opposite in many places. An example, Psalm 18.6 says, In my distress, I call to the Lord. I cry to my Father for help. I cry to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his tears. Was he helping himself while making this? No. But God is there. God does not demand strength of us. But he, gave his, he gives strength to us when we're weak. A great example was last week. I was super weak, but he gave me strength to come here anyway. He does not require your maximum effort before he extends his help or grace to you. He only requires our trust. Now, the next one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Wow, this is something I think we've all been here. And we say, yeah, we got to love the people. Forget about the sin. Don't hate the sin of the people. Love the people. Yes, we believe in love. But this is one that sounds so good. And it's close to what the Bible actually says. On top of that, it almost seems something that Jesus would say, right? But it isn't. Of course, Jesus talks about loving your enemies in Matthew 5. But when it comes to sin, his advice is to look inward. We read about this this morning in Matthew 7, verse 3 to 4. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the lock that is in your own eye? Or can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the lock is in your own eye? I mean... In calling out the hypocrisy of judging others, Jesus sets everyone on equal ground. There is no use in looking down on others because you think they don't measure up. Worry about your own mess instead of, try, instead of trying to dig up someone else's. Instead of loving the sinner and hating the sin, Jesus asks us to love the sinner, yeah, but hate our own sin. Don't worry about the sin of, of the next person because there's a whole thing in your own eye, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is really sketchy. I mean, in, in a sense, it's almost true. I call it true-ish. But if you have to add extra text to make it, make it true, it's not true. Simple. Let's continue. You are the artist of your own life. Don't hand the paintbrush to someone else. <laughs> that sounds good, right? I mean... You're in control of your life. You decide what you do. You plan your things. <laughs> well, I think we already read this in John 15, right? 15.5. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. No, we're not the artist. God is. Of course, we can discuss about this, but yeah, it doesn't change the fact that here we see this one. The heart of wisdom is tolerance. Is it? 
Sounds nice. Like, okay, because you're wise, you tolerate stuff. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to be skeptical. No. Yep. Well, let's see what God says. Well, in God's word, we can find a verse right here in Proverbs 9.10. I'm going to search this one real quick. Proverbs. Proverbs 9. Aha. Where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One, which is God, is understanding. Not tolerance. Beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Well, I'm going to stop here. I can, there's a lot of quotes, and we see them every day on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere we go. And it's so easy to say, oh, wow, I like this one. Amen. Let me share this one. Uh, I see, I've seen people even share these kind of quotes and add a verse to it. And if you read the verse in the context, it ends up that the verse is contradicting. But yeah, what I want we, us to remember, I mean... We need to remember to be vigilant, to stick to the truth. And not fall for the true-ish messages. Seek the truth. And don't go after the vague use of Christian terminology. It's not because someone says, Amen and God bless you. It means... They're a Christian. Go to the truth. Stick to the truth. And like we talked about last week, stand firm in the truth. Like we talked about, abide in Christ. Stay in Him. Remain in Him. That's the only way. I want to read here, you see Matthew to end. Matthew chapter 10. Real quick. Chapter 10, 16. Behold, I am sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Here Jesus is talking. So be as wary as serpents and as innocent as doves. In another, in another version of the Bible, it says be vigilant. Right? I mean, in a in sense... Be wary. So, this is my message for today. Let's stay alert. Let's stick to the truth. Let's keep focusing on Jesus. Keep studying His Word in order for us to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of the truth. Yeah. Let me pray. Dear God, thank you for this moment. I want to thank you that we had the opportunity to study your Word and read more about you and i want to thank you that you are good and that we have this opportunity that we can live with you and we can live for you thank you lord and i want to ask you for blessing and guidance this week that you keep us focusing on what is true what is right and that we can keep our our head our focus on you lord 
I want to thank you for everything in the name of Jesus. Amen.